1: Well, here we are again, Matt. We are. We're doing the second ever episode. They said it would never last. They did say it would never last, but luckily <laughs> we've made it to the second episode of Thought Police. Yeah. Uh, here we are. You're Matt Kelly. I'm Mike Graham. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening to the first one, which everybody seemed to like yeah, quite a lot. Thanks for
2: all the lovely
1: feedback. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, people said even you sounded reasonable. I noticed um, that a couple times.
2: Even that <laughs> from the New European
1: <laughs> sounded all right. Exactly right. But listen, we, we talked today on the arrival of Donald Trump, the 45th President of the United States of America, yeah. uh, for a state visit, which a lot of people actually are saying they don't want to happen. But in fact, there's not many people out there demonstrating. I haven't seen any protests. None at all. None at all. Um, and all I've seen is him being greeted warmly by Jeremy Hunt as he came down the uh, Too the steps. warmly for my money. Well, interesting that yeah. he was doing that, I thought. Yeah. Secondly... He then gets to be greeted even more warmly by Prince Charles. Yes. um, uh, Or the uh, Prince of Wales as he landed his helicopter on the lawn at Buckingham Palace. Now... I don't know about you, but I, I felt slightly uneasy about that. About what? About Charles? About being, Charles being so warm, because right. I would have thought surely the point of being, you know, the heir to the throne is that you're a bit stiff, okay, and you don't talk to, you know, the carpet bagger that is Donald Trump <laughs> as if he's a bosom buddy of old.
2: Well, that, I, I actually felt the other way around. I mm. thought, of course, Charles is going to be nice. I mean, yeah. it would be, you know, just utterly un, inhospitable, yeah, it, to to. to To do anything otherwise, but it was Hunt that creeped me out of it because it it was there was all this sort of slapping on the arm, and Hunt very deferent, kind of nodding along, and I just thought this is what gets me about whatever you think about Mm. Trump is how craven so many of our politicians yeah. are when it comes to dealing with the yeah. Presidents of the United States. Yeah. They couldn't give a toss about us, right. but we are kind of, oh, the special relationship, and we're ever so humble, and and vote for me. You know, give me your endorsement, Mr Trump. Yes. You know, I mean, for, come on. But
1: although, having said that, you say they don't give a toss about us, but I think something like Trump does, because for him... Walking across the lawn at Buckingham Palace and being warmly greeted by Prince Charles yeah. will lead the news there. I know, but that's being the... met by Jeremy Hunt will, yeah. will not mean anything. But that yeah.
2: is like the ultimate like tourist
1: yeah. experience, isn't it? So yeah. that's what he's there for. Right.
2: What, what what I mean is, is that you would never have a presidential candidate mm. looking to the Prime Minister of Great Britain for no. some sort of endorsement. No, unthinkable. Why although, on earth would
1: they care? Although you would, of course, have somebody like Joe Biden who once stole. Uh, a a speech by Neil Kinnock and turned it into his own I remember saying at the time if you're going to steal something from a British politician don't steal it from Kinnock you complete plonker I mean what was that all about? Uh, well Kinnock wasn't about Orator, was he? He was not a bad orator, a but he wasn't a very good politician. No. I mean, he became very friendly to me one year when I was working in the Welsh Mirror yeah. uh, because we used to subsidise the Labour Party in Wales all the time. You know, we'd do these little functions for him. And he became my best mate for one night only because yeah. we put on this d- fundraising dinner, yeah. which I think cost him, I managed to get 5,000 quid out of Piers' budget, you know. He's
2: a lovely guy. He's a subscriber. And he was actually European. Well, I'm not surprised. sending
1: me encouraging notes. Well, I imagine him and his family have got family yeah. subscription. I mean, there's thousands yeah. of them, aren't they? Yeah, all getting the- money from the public. Purse, Although all Stephen, being paid.
2: Stephen went soft, didn't he? His son Stephen sort of like going for a
1: Norwegian-style deal. With yeah. yeah. Well, he's got a Norwegian-style wife, hasn't he? Isn't
2: she? She's the former prime minister of Denmark. Yeah, isn't she? yeah, something like An that. Amazing. I mean, see, I say Norwegian-style, and yeah. immediately you
1: make me sound ignorant because yeah. I think all these Scandinavians—they do they all look alike. <laughs> you know, when you look, watch those uh, those Scandinavian yeah. crime dramas. Yeah. You know, you have to pinch yourself to try yeah. and work out which country they're in. You know, because I've sort of got a handle on Swedish now. Yeah. Um, I watched a Finnish one not long ago, and I couldn't understand any of that at all. What, because you don't speak Finnish? Well, no, because Swedish is a bit kind of German, yeah, Danish is a what, bit can German. can you seriously
2: understand Swedish?
1: No, but I can understand certain words, like you, tag. Is that because you can read them at the bottom of the screen? No, 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 it's because you can actually recognise words, because right. you, you hear them being said often okay. enough, whereas okay. in Finnish... Yeah. It there's no resemblance to any limit. language i've ever heard. Well in
2: fact i think i'm right in saying mm. is that finnish is unique in european languages as yes. to having no traceability whatsoever yes, i think that's right yeah. yeah
1: i mean it's even more russian i think than anything yes, else like that. Yeah. but i can't get into all that anyway we yeah. dive we 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 digrate. we digrate? No. digress we digress yeah. um, trump of course is here for the uh, the the, the, the d day landing 75th anniversary of the yeah. d day landings And I think in the end, whatever you may think of Trump, and I mean, I keep getting these arguments with people who say, you don't know what he was really like. I know exactly what he was like because I worked in America in the 80s when he was in his prime, when he was building Trump Tower, when he was being this kind of, you know, all-seeing, all-doing, you know, man who used to phone up. Um, his own, um, uh, he, used to, he used to do his own PR, he used to phone yeah. up newspapers and tell stories about himself, yeah. pretending to be someone else. Well, he keeps cropping up in uh, American Psycho, you know, by yeah. Bert Easton Ellis. Yeah, yeah. this sort of
2: caricature. Well, he is. It's like a theme running throughout the book about yeah. what Trump's doing. Yeah. And he keeps spotting Trump doing yeah. this. Because, so because he was,
1: because he was, because in New York in those days, in the 80s, it was literally like, you know, you could be famous for anything. You could be yeah. famous for being a psycho, a killer. A pop star, you know, uh, a a famous artist, a billionaire property developer, you know, a a, a brothel keeper, anything, nightclub owner. And it was all kind of in the same place and they all went together to the same parties. You go to parties (laughs) and you could meet any of these people, you know, and all they cared about was how much money have you got.
2: But the interesting thing about Trump in America, which I found out and I found it astonishing when I went to Phoenix last year, because we and, you know, you know, America very, very well. But I think a lot of Britons think of America as the two coastlines, yes. don't they? Yeah. You know, New York and yeah. down, and then of course California and the blue states. As and they the bl- call yes, them. but when you go into the middle of the states, yeah. and I rather embarrassingly said to this taxi driver, "What do you think about Donald Trump?" Huh? Yeah. And thank God I didn't get any further yeah, yeah. than that, because he said, this man's going to save the country. Yeah. You know, boy, honestly, oh, for sure. this, he's the greatest
1: thing that's yeah. ever happened to America. Well, I had a conversation today because, you know, everyone has been ratcheting up this idea that, you know, they're bringing their American healthcare system here and we're going to do a trade deal and it's going to be terrible. They're getting somebody's going to sell the NHS off, yeah. which isn't going to happen. But if you go to America during the time, as I did, when Obamacare was going on and they were having the big debate about, you know, I could. I mean, even I couldn't believe how hard-line they were. Yeah. But basically, the line in most of middle America was, why should we pay for some bum who can't afford his own health care yeah. to get treatment when we have to pay for ours?
2: Incredible. And
1: that's what they believe, because yeah. they don't believe in socialist medicine. Yeah. You know, we don't bat an eyelid. I mean, you don't care if your taxes go to helping somebody uh, who can't afford to go and get a cancer operation. Well, I'd rather hope that is where they're going. Well, know. yeah, but they don't think that at all. They go, well, tough. If you haven't got the wherewithal to pay for it, then you shouldn't get the same treatment I get. Having said all of that, do you remember Stephen
2: Hawking before he died? One yeah. of the last things he said, he made this big thing about you know the NHS and the privatisation of the NHS being absolutely, you know, abhorrent and must never happen, he said, because otherwise you'll end up with a a twin-track health system in the UK. Now, I think we've already got a twin-track health. I think we have. I've got private medical insurance Do I heard? If I get ill, I I phone up, go to a doctor, and then I'm in Harley Street. Yeah. You know, so don't tell me that there's no twin-track already. And I actually, on principle, don't have anything against that being adopted more broadly if it means that there's more money for well exactly
1: because in fact you can look at it that way i mean but but when people come out with this rubbish where they say oh Nigel Farage says he wants to replace it no he doesn't Mm. he wants to have it concurrently running and if as you say people who are more wealthy can take themselves out of the queue and make it easier for people who have less money then surely that's a good thing yeah i think i think so and for, for people to pretend that we don't have privatization i said this to this woman today Uh, We've already got nurses coming through agencies who get paid through the absolute nose, ridiculous amounts of money. You know, we all pay for for glasses, we all pay for dental care, we all pay for prescriptions unless we have some exemption. So, you know, there's an awful lot which is, and we already pay loads of money to private, uh, you know, prescription companies, private drug companies. Who sell us all their stuff at a massive
2: markup? But do you know who, who, which country pays the most per head for healthcare in the world and has one of the least satisfi- highest satisfaction? Probably rates? Probably America. I would it's imagine. America, yeah. 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 Well, so I when I, the I did that there, privatization is more efficient yeah. isn't true. No, you, it's not middle way. So there is
1: a middle way and I think the problem is like everything in this country when they in in sort of investigated the idea of setting up the NHS it was a good idea mm. and it was a great idea to be able to reach out to everybody and make people much healthier but it's, it's much more difficult to manage now. The, big,
2: the only thing I care about with the NHS is the is the thing that it was set up with in mind, which is free at the point of need. Yeah. That's what I care about. Mm-hmm. You know, the
1: idea that someone could turn up to a hospital yeah. and they'd say, where's
2: your insurance sure. form? Yeah. Before they started treating. Right. That's wrong. Although,
1: yeah, but they don't really do that in America. No. I mean, I know that's the myth which happens. I mean, my mother's lived in America. She's 95 now. And she... Um, you know there are various different permutations under which she could pay an awful lot of money, but because she doesn't have very much money, she doesn't pay. Right? You know certain amounts of things. Is that are covered. Medicare? Or- well, certain things are covered by Medicare. But she had a, a, an incident recently where she was taken to the hospital. She had gallstones, and they had to examine her, and they took the view she's like I said, she's ninety-five. They said we don't said to my sister we don't really want to operate, but we can zap these, and we'll see how that goes. Now the bill for that would be about ten thousand dollars, right? She has to go through a process by which. Um, you know, she basically doesn't have to pay that. Right. So you have to show that you haven't used so bank it means accounts. tested counts. Yeah, it's means-tested, and, and that's fine. But what they don't do is say, well, you have to show us that you've got the before ability we'll to pay anything. before we go in. Right. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there have been cases like that, but yeah. it doesn't really happen on yeah. a regular basis. You well, know that's I mean? good to hear, because
2: that is the myth, that people yeah. that people think you've got to get the documentation out before. Sure. We...
1: And, I mean, my kids have had, I mean, my kids, have, you know, for, for about six years on to trot, we used to mm-hmm. go to the of America for holidays. And one of them would end up in A&E for one reason, a sunstroke, you know, the trip yeah. up over something, break something. And none of them were ever asked for money up front. No. You know, and we always were able to sort it out. But the, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was the last um, state visit by an American president yes. to this country. Because you played quite an important part in that. Well, It was yes. George W. Bush, wasn't it?
2: It was George W. Bush. And, uh, well, I don't want to oversell my role in in, uh i don't think you should be
1: too modest about it okay all right well Well, it
2: was okay i led the most important greatest (laughs) fantastic investigation in tabloid history so for the last 20 years well listen it
1: was the most fascinating one i've ever seen i mean
2: i mean honestly i can't think of a better one. Certainly not from a sort of Mirror-style yeah. investigation. And people may remember it was when the Daily Mirror implanted a, uh, a reporter mm. as the Queen's butler. Yeah. And he was there for three months, Fantastic. Ryan Parry. Yeah. And I remember um, the uh, somebody coming to me with this idea at the Mirror, and I was features editor at the Mirror, and they said, look, there's been an advert yeah. for this butler job. Why don't we apply for it? Right. And I said, get out of my office. <laughs> Stupidest idea I've ever heard. Right. Go away. No chance. Yeah. And then a month later the person came back and said, you know that stupid idea? Well, right. I've got an interview on Wednesday.
1: Because <laughs> so, you'd have to have thought, there's no way that you can forge all of the documentation do you, and get this, all the CVs but right. But this was right. the point. There was no documentation. So yeah. he put in
2: two CVs. Right. This is how bad it was. that He was working in a pub in Wales right. during the summer. Right? right? And he'd put down the pub landlord as okay. one, of the, one of the references. Right. So the palace phones this pub right. in Wales... And says, Can we speak to Mike, please? Right. And Mike, who? Mike, the landlord. Yeah. Oh, he's not here, but there's another Mike at the bar, so we'll speak to him. <laughs> so they get put through to this other Mike. Yeah. Who says, Do you know Ryan Parry? Right. And he says, Ryan, yeah, yeah, I know him. He's so and so's son. He's a good right. lad. Right. Thank you very much. Would you would you give him a reference? Mm. You know, would you say he's of good character? Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Right. Boom. That was it. Brilliant. That was it. And then Ryan That was got the, the only checking they did? That was it. it.
1: That was they it. don't do like, you know, serious background checks from the Secret Service or anything? No, no,
2: because the st- a th- few months before that, Ryan had done a big expose at Wimbledon where he got a job as a, one of the drivers for the. <laughs> <laughs> it was all over the front page so they of the Daily Nothing, and so, so he hadn't even done had a catch check on the guy. Nothing, and he got his. Jo- and he amazing. applied under his real name mm. and everything, right? So no. he got his job. And he was there, and he was literally serving the Queen breakfast. Yeah, he used to walk it. My favourite story that he kept, I mean, there were so many stories, right. and I'm actually not sure we can talk about this legally because it's under injunction now. But anyway, so right. I'm sure. Okay, I, I don't think anyone will come after us. But he used to have to go in and wake Prince Andrew. Right? <laughs> I, Prince Andrew wanted, had to be Wasn't working. he sleeping somewhere in Berkshire, though? No, 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 he was in the palace or oh, whatever. Right. It was either in the palace or Windsor Castle, yeah, one yeah. of the two, because that's where he alternated. Mm. And he walked into the bedroom, and Andrew was fast asleep, and he opens the curtains, mm. and the light floods in, right. and the only thing he gets back is
1: Andrew lifting his head off the pillow and going,
2: fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> right "Ah, oh, fuck off right away, sir.
1: And and down, that, that that sort of fulfills my, my, my hope that there is still the, the royal family that we used to know. that <laughs> they haven't got all touchy <laughs> yeah, feelings, exactly, you know, like exactly. with Kate and Wills going, oh, yeah. yes, now we're going to run a mental health charity. But the,
2: where the President of the United States comes in is that I remember the last day of the investigation yeah. was uh, Ryan behind the curtain right. in, in the, I think it's the blue Well, the,
1: gracious, the thing that I remember the most, so, well, the two things I remember the most were, one... The Tupperware, Tupperware and the horrible right. kind of uh, yeah. decor inside yeah. The, yeah. the palace, where they had those terrible like two bar fires that the my south, granny used to have. A poxy little radio. Yeah, in and, south yeah. on the south side of Glasgow. And I all, mean, all, all the jars. and, yeah. Tupperware and jokes, everything yeah. in Tupperware jars. But also, I remember us all standing around in the Mirror newsroom yeah. watching the day that the story broke. That's right. And I think we you'd obviously given the foot the video footage or something yeah. to. Um, uh, to ITV. That's yes, right. But there was video footage of Ryan on the back of That's the right. royal coach. That's right. With the horses and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to, I don't know, some state event. The prop on the gold and coach. And he's standing yeah. on the back yeah, of the gold coach. Oh, look, look at this, Ryan Perry. Unbelievable. But the,
2: the, it was the night that George Bush arrived. Right. And his helicopter, just like Trump's, came down. Because he stayed one. there, didn't he? He stayed the night, which Trump hasn't been allowed to mm. because of the resident renovations. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. A, but anyway. Sorry. So uh, the, the helicopter lands on the on the palace lawn yeah. and I'm on the phone to Ryan and I can hear the rotor blade Bub, right. bub, coming down and Ryan says, right, that's, that's him. He's there. Yeah. And we said, right, get out now. Right. And the reason we wanted him out now was we knew that our security was absolutely rubbish, but right. we were very confident that the Americans <laughs> they have knew have what him to him. do, and I might have shot him. Yeah. Yeah. So he came out and then, uh, and then the story broke the next day and the front page was a picture of Ryan stood on mm. the balcony of yeah. Buckingham Palace with the big headline, Intruder. And it was it was a monster story. It was fantastic. It yeah. was absolutely
1: brilliant. Yeah. And even more amazing was the fact that he was a graduate trainee, wasn't he? And he was getting paid at the that's time, right. something like 12 grand that's a year, right. to be the world's uh, number uh, one uh, reporter, that's right. which is what he was for 24 uh, hours.
2: And, he, and he's gone on to do yeah. very successful things. It
1: also reminds me, and I'm not going to name the person, and I don't want you to either, okay. but it reminds me of the famous story from Belfast, um, when I think, I think it was Clinton but I'm not absolutely certain. But it was sometime during the whole Good Friday Agreement stuff. And this particular individual, who's become a very big name in journalism, um, somehow got it into his head that it would be a really good idea to abseil down the outside of the Europa Hotel (laughs) to get a good view inside where the president's room was. And he was lowered down by the photographer who'd conned him into doing this, right? And as he approached the kind of the level where the president's room was, he suddenly found himself face-to-face with about five uzi machine so, guns from the fucking secret service it's he just didn't get i'm amazed they didn't just kill him yeah,
2: just snipe him away
1: you know In but, but of, the well, people that today, the, the people that we knew there at the time had to be he was arrested he dragged yeah. into you know yeah. they, had to, but they had to nobody believed he was a journalist yeah. they thought nobody can be this stupid yes and be a journalist oh yeah they can they really can <laughs> we can and attest I, to that you but, and I both we'll know. tell more stories like that yeah. coming up <laughs>
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary.
1: VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, I can't believe we started already halfway into this podcast, right? And we haven't mentioned it. And we haven't mentioned it. No, I know. We haven't mentioned it. I don't have to mention it because I just live it now. First of all, uh, the last time I was here, I said to you, how badly will you be affected if they don't win anything this year? Well, obviously, we don't have to say that now because they've now won the Champions League. They've won it six times. I know. The only... Challenge. The now drag- got
2: is what do I do now? Do I hold up two lots of three fingers, or do do I do like one f- full hand of five and yeah. another one there? I I'm think. I my think. United yeah, players? I
1: think you have to take your lead from Jurgen Klopp. What did he do? Five. He did five and one, he did didn't, five and one right, didn't he? Yeah, but he but right. he also he counts it kind of in a really slow way, <laughs> and then goes is <laughs> Isn't he?
2: Isn't he? I mean, I don't I care who it. you support. No, it's a
1: diamond. I love it. But you know what I discovered as well, and I don't know if you saw this particular piece of social media going about. But somebody put out a, uh, a tweet with a video of him, very rare piece of video of him playing football. Yes. And this amazing goal that he scores. Yeah. And I'm not sure who he's playing for, but it's in the yeah. Bundesliga. Yeah. And he scores this incredible goal from about 40 yards yeah. out. A sort of Peter Crouch style from the right-hand side of the pitch. He scored four in one game, apparently. Did he? I think
2: it might have been one of them.
1: And you can tell, as soon yeah. as he runs on, yeah. because you've seen him run on the pitch so many times, he's run exactly the same. He was never, yes, no, totally the same yeah. gait, and it's the same yeah, yeah. face
2: and everything, but he's, he's never played at a very high standard. I think it was like second division. He's right. still, I remember him doing an interview, said he said they get sort of like 1,500 or 2,000 crowds. But do you know what I thought about the man, um, which moved me a lot, was... An hour before they set off, somebody got a note to him mm. about a Liverpool fan who was suffering from bile duct cancer okay. and had three weeks previously been given a fortnight to live. Yeah. So was, is clearly at death's door, but had uh, made it to the, to the Champions League final. So he right. could watch, obviously he wasn't there, but could watch the game. And uh, Klopp, it's well worth looking it out on, on social media because mm. Klopp makes this very, very good not schmaltzy, not overly sentimental, but a very powerful statement about what football is about. You yeah, know? Yeah. And he ends up by saying, you know, all we're trying to do is bring people mm-hmm. a little bit of hope and a little bit of joy, you know. And and it reminded me so much of Bill Shankly, yeah. whose, whose famous quote was, you know, I, I made the people happy. Yes. And that's what he wanted to do. It's a very social yeah. and, Enterprise. And also,
1: when you saw the City reacting yeah. in the way that it did, yeah. and I mean, the, the, the estimates vary from you know half a million to 700,000 or something. Can you imagine being an Everton fan oh. uh, in the midst of all that no, I don't have to. On all, Sunday. My, all my family are Everton apart oh, no.
2: from me. Tells you, every, <laughs> tells you everything you need to know about
1: me. Well, I mean, there's a lot of families like that in Liverpool, yeah. aren't there? I yeah. mean, there are many Liverpool fans that I've spoken to and Everton fans as well, That's right. vice versa, and they're split, That's right. which is amazing, really. I was thinking about football today, you know, thinking
2: that everything in life changes, mm. everything. You know, you... You go to school, your parents come and go, your wives come and go, your friends come and go, your jobs change, your houses change. The only thing that stays consistent is your football club.
1: Do you know, and so many football fans have said that to me when I used to do shows on TalkSport and I used to get all sorts of abuse because I didn't have a team. And I was therefore seen as a kind of second class citizen. But I mean, I would feel a fraud, to be honest, if I did now, because if I just sort of clamped myself on and said, oh, yeah, I'm a Chelsea fan, aren't I? Because they won the Champions League. How like a you lot don't, of people how come you did. Don't have a well, you see, I grew up in North London, right, from Scottish parents. The first football match I ever went to was actually in Glasgow because my dad was neither Celtic nor Rangers. He was Queen's Park. Right. And Queen's Park actually played at Hamden. Yeah. And so the first game I ever went to when I was about six years of age, and my dad was a bit of a jester, and he told me, and they, when, when they played at Hamden, they only ever opened the seats because the terracing was so huge, you know. Yeah. I mean, they get 120,000, cool, yeah. you know, for, right. for, for a national yeah. Scotland game. Yeah. And he, he convinced me that they clapped with the backs of their hands because that was how posh they were. You know. <laughs> so I used to tell people this when I was a kid. I was like, well, you know, in Queen's Park they clapped the backs of their hands and a like, box. <laughs> you know. But then I came down to London, but I, I was really into football. Um and we he and I watched I think we listened actually to Celtic winning the European Cup yeah. in nineteen sixty seven. Yeah. Before and we then, time, yeah, and then we watched um Man United winning it in 1968 and they were so glamorous at that yeah. time, Bobby Charlton, George yeah. Best, Dennis Law, yeah. Alex Stepney in goal, I could probably name the whole team, Nobby yeah. Styles was playing for them uh, and they won the European Cup in 68, so I kind of became a Man United fan yeah. at that point.
2: Well that's why I became a Liverpool fan, yeah. because you know it was like, so I was born in 69. Because of that
1: great Euro, was it, Euro this, team. You know
2: 77, 78, mm. uh, I mean and, and the years previously getting very close and it felt impossible to me not to be a Liverpool fan in those circumstances. Yes.
1: Well, funny enough, my sister became a Liverpool fan. So yeah. she and I, she actually joined the Liverpool Supporters Club, wow. brackets London branch. Yeah. Now, my parents were quite bohemian in a way. And I can't imagine me ever doing this. But they used to let us, when she was about 14 and I was about 12, she and I would go to uh, the meeting place in Aldgate, where they had a sort of a, a room above a pub. And we'd then all go to Euston and get on a train and go to Anfield. Yeah. We
2: were kids. Amazing, but my parents didn't go with us. Well, listen, I've got the best story about that because my dad was at one point period in his career was uh, editor of the Football Echo, the Liverpool Echo, oh, S- yeah. sports newspaper. So he he was friends with all. Was those that in the days players? when they
1: used to do the results paper? Yeah, that came no, out when they Saturday had the Pink Echo the pink, came yeah. out and they used to put bundles yeah. of it on the trains to yeah, yeah. Euston,
2: you know, and it sold about half a million oh, copies. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, but Tommy Smith was a very big family friend. Yes. Uh, uh, Ray Clements, my dad used to play golf right. with a lot and they'd be in and out of the house but mm. the best one was Kevin Keegan right. who my dad was really close to and Keegan once came when to our house When he was a house. player? Yeah. yeah, he was at Liverpool yeah. and Keegan once came to our house on his way to Southport wow. we lived in Hightown mm. little semi-detached and my mum and dad one of us was sick me and my brother was sick yeah. and my mum and dad were about to phone this dinner party right. we were going to to, to apologise but when Kevin arrived they said Okay, oh, fantastic! Can you just stay for an hour and babysit the yeah, kids? Right. So I've got this memory of Keegan in our kitchen with the perm and everything, and me and Danny playing right. football or whatever. I would you know, love I'm it ball.
1: if you'd eat this Amazing. for dinner. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> but if I ever
2: have cause to write an autobiography, it's going to be called Kevin Keegan was my babysitter. That's brilliant.
1: You know, I mean, these are the stories that people like to hear, and, and I mean, funnily enough, one of my massive memories of of sort of not horror. But, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, Hillsborough and all the terrible things that happened there, but I remember going to the cop as a, as a young boy, mm. t- age 12, and I was quite short, and I went to, I think it was a European, um, either Cup winner's Cup, or I think it was UEFA, uh, semi-final match between Liverpool and Borussia Mönchengladbach, yeah. and I think it was around about 72 yeah. or 73, 73 and we were in the cop, and it was literally heaving, you know, what I mean, yeah. and I don't know if you were ever in it, when it, was, yes, British, it was when it, it was, yeah. it was yeah. no seating, yeah. but you were moving yeah, and totally. you had no idea where yeah, you were moving, no, where, why you were moving. Then it was pissing down with rain yeah. and the water was yeah. running off the pitch into yeah. the front of the cop, right? Yeah. So people were moving back. We were getting crushed. We were actually lifted, myself and my sister lifted onto so, the pitch. Yeah. Really? I thought I was really? going to die. Yeah, yeah. we well, were getting squeezed. So, but everyone in the cop, there was this kind of sense of community. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever, my mother went with us one time and this guy yeah. and turned next to her and said, ah, Sally for the sweat in love. You know, yeah. Sally. That's right. She was, was, was wearing nice a fur coat. It was very bizarre. Anyway... So we sta- So at one point and I was kind of shaking because it was quite a frightening experience. But I remember stand- I was literally standing behind the goal at Liverpool and I thought, this is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe I'm standing here. The floodlights Amazing. were on, the rain was teeming down. Amazing. And somebody from St John's so ambulance honest, but, sort of came and took us away. Yeah. But it's one of my binding Amazing. memories of football in the seventies. Amazing. You know. Yeah, and, and that, so of course all ended with, with Hillsborough. Yeah. But, but and a then, and then, to bring it back, isn't there? There it? There is. And a lot of people back, yeah. think it's a good idea. Yeah. I I don't really have a view. I think I think as um, long as it's safe. I mean we've all now been to yeah. football matches where people stand all the, time, all the time. Yeah. You know, and actually I always feel quite Precarious standing yeah. where there's lots of seats because yeah. there's not much room. That's right. Normally well, it depends speaking, depends how the rake of the stadium is yeah, yeah. as well. You yeah. can feel a little bit. But precarious. so, so I then went when I was I, closed, I suppose we're talking about 1982 three. I then moved to America and was out of it for ten years. Yeah. And, and when I came, by the time I came back, I sort of didn't know anybody in football. I didn't know any of the players. Yeah. Some of them become managers. So, easy, yeah. so I kind of let it go, and I would feel. And because of my work at Talk Sport for a few years, I would go to quite a lot of games and I would go and we'd do outside broadcasts and we'd get a cup of finals and all that. But I kind of, I love, love watching it, but yeah. I would feel a bit of a fraud yeah. if I suddenly turned around now and, and I've never had that feeling yeah, yeah. of being with one team, yeah. you know, all my, all my is life.
2: There, is, there any, is there any similarity in the way fans follow American football? In that, in that kind of experience.
1: There is. Yeah. They tend to be, I mean, like if you're uh, a New York Giants fan, yeah. your father probably was, your mother probably, you know, your parents probably, your grandparents, you know. And the game a, is an intense
2: experience. It is,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, funnily enough, people say, oh, you know, there's not the same level of violence in American football and, and in hockey, but there, there is actually. Yeah. I mean, they fight each other quite a lot. Yeah, Um and, yeah. and baseball is kind of seen as the sort of gentleman's sport, if you like, so yeah. you can take your family to the baseball. And I used to love going to baseball games. Well, you yeah. went to a football game. And it was pretty gladiatorial. It was pretty brutal. Amazing. But one of the great things was I covered, I don't know if you've ever covered an American football game as a journalist. No, never. Um, I've never been to one. Haven't you? You should go if you can. I mean, even if it's one here. Yeah. Because one of the things I found amazing, there was a magazine started by Robert Maxwell when he was still around running the Mirror called Sports Week. That's right. And he declared it to be the uh, British answer to Sports Illustrated. Right. And he was going to make it run for as long as he didn't care how little money it made he was going to run it forever. Like right? the New European. And they put a mate of mine called Roger Kelly in charge of it oh, yeah. who was also a scout yeah. Um and so I was in America at the time and he said "Oh, we want to, We found this um, young English guy who was a running back for the Indianapolis Colts and he'd been born in Streatham right. young black kid yeah. had moved to America with his dad when he was 16 yeah. and he was very quick and he was in special teams and I thought okay um, never heard of this guy he's not a star or anything like that went out to Indianapolis to watch a game you sit in the press box and literally every time anything happens some glamorous woman appears with a piece of paper, uh, which has got every detail about the guy that's just carried the ball, how Incredible. long he's carried it for, Incredible. how what his history is, where he comes from, literally what he's had for breakfast, Incredible. every piece of information. This guy, who I interviewed after the game, carried the ball for a grand total in the game of ten seconds, right? Because every time we got it, he kept getting hit, right? And he was on a kick return or something like yeah. that. And so I interviewed him afterwards, and I said to him, um, I went to his house. And I said, well, I said, it's an amazing life you've got now. I said, but you're not, you're in specialty. You don't really play that much. You know, how much, You you mind me asking you how much money you're making? And I thought you would say something like 200,000 a year, you know, yeah. dollars. This was back in like the early, late late 80s, early 90s. And you said $3 million over two years. Wow. And I was like, Jesus! And that was way before, you know, Premier League salaries were where they are now, you know. But, but yeah, it's worth it's definitely worth doing it if you can. I'd love to, uh,
2: but of course, the ticket when they come to London, the tickets sell out within about twenty seconds. They really do, and
1: everybody keeps telling you how it's not taking off here. But of course, they'll be playing at Tottenham, I suppose, this year, won't they? Because that's going to be the home of some, and they will eventually probably find room to have a London team. But before we stop, because we've got a lot of time here, we should talk about Peterborough. Yes, because the Peterborough election is coming up a couple of days, and when people yeah. listen to this, uh, they, I think it'll only be two days away. That's right. Now, I presume all the wisdom in the world, including at your organisation, is that is that the Brexit Party is going to absolutely swing the board. It, yeah. They're going to well, a what, proper, and that's a proper election. That's how it looks like. Yeah. Um,
2: and yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be very, very telling. Probably, possibly, more telling than the European elections. Yeah. If you know, if if they get 38%, 40 percent, something mm. like that then it, I think the Tories will panic, but the Labour Party will be in absolute hmm. pieces. Oh, they will. And they've
1: got a candidate who... Well, have you seen what's been going oh on, though? Oh, my God. I mean, they've so all she, been going to the wrong place. They've yeah. been taking her... I think they had a hustings, yeah. which all the candidates turned up at. Labour didn't bother showing that's up. That's right, that's right. Yeah, what's that some, all about? Well,
2: so Corbyn went to some Labour live or right. Labour something else, yeah, some thing yeah. they'd put on, mm. some mm. non-consequential thing. And you just think it's it's an absolute shambles yeah. now, both those main parties yeah. almost giving up the ghost. Well, they point. almost have.
1: And every time I see um, anyone like Richard Tice yeah. uh, or Martin Daubney or Farage or anybody doing anything up there, yeah. there's mass crowds of people. They're, so They're well filling out at. auditoriums. I
2: mean, Farage is the best campaigner mm. in, in the country. You know, yeah. I mean, he's superb at it. But But of course, you know, what happens when he gets into power would be a very different story.
1: Well, it might well be, but maybe he never will. I mean, yeah. maybe, but, but the, the funny thing is, is that, you know, I was aghast as I always am watching Question Time on last Thursday night because I, every week I say, can I be bothered? Can I be bothered? Yeah. But I actually wanted to watch it this week because I had somebody from Brexit on who was actually, I thought, quite good. I missed it. I, I, she, don't, I try not I mean, to watch it these Well, days. because it's not any, it's, it's really not very nuts, good. You know, well, Fiona mm-hmm. Bruce, I'm afraid, yeah. it's nothing to do with the fact she's a woman. Yeah. She's just not very good. Yeah. And she came out, and I was literally kind of mouth open. She said, "Well, of course, everybody knows that the Euro elections were a draw." And go, he goes, "Yeah." <laughs> and you go, "Well, come on, don't go down that road." I mean, yeah. you can have an argument if you want about did the Remain parties, if you really analyse it yeah. properly, do quite well too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but they it wasn't a bloody draw. Yeah. Don't say it was a draw no. as if that's no. some no, kind I, of fact. I mean, you can't. No, it's a fact that you can't that do early, it yeah. because yeah. we don't know what people. Only, the only yeah. thing we know for sure is that the people who vote for Brexit for the Brexit Party, want Brexit. Yes. The rest of it, nobody knows why that's they're right. voting. That's right. If you vote Green, it could be for a variety of reasons. And, if you and vote, quite rightly, you know, yeah. for a lot of reasons. And, and Labour, God knows. God you know, knows you why vote. you would vote Labour unless you And no one voted for
2: it. Change UK, more or less. No. You know, so.
1: And that's it. And I mean, if everybody wants to remain in the EU, yeah. why not vote for Change UK? And you can make the case,
2: and I'm arguing against my own position here, but you can make the case that people are so pissed off with Labour and the Tories, that really the only... Familiar party left, mm. in, certainly in England, is the is the Liberal Democrats. Yeah, so you can see, you know, regardless of the fact that. That they had a very clear bollocks to Brexit message. They would have picked up a lot of disaffected people. Oh, for Who sure. just wanted to tell
1: the other. Well, we know, to I think, over. as we've said already, Alistair Campbell and Cherie Blair for a start, yeah. and Lord Heseltine. Yeah. So I mean, if those three are going for Lib Dem instead of their own yeah. party, how you damaging, know.
2: by the way, and how stupid of Labour to do to get rid of Campbell mm. that that day? Right. Because the message sent to me was is. That you know, one you tolerate no dissent at all. Yeah. Two, you inhumane, faceless, ungrateful yeah. party. Yes. But three, if you are a Remainer and you've got real problems with mm. the Labour Party, well then you can just bugger off. Yes. You know. So exactly. I mean, Nice job. And also Jeremy coming, and
1: coming, and although they are now, of course, reviewing the situation, yes. aren't they? I think they put. Well, on. they
2: said no. Chapter Party. She, she went out and said there's going to be a review. Yeah. On I think it was on Morrison. Yeah, yeah. It Was clearly caught on the hop and right. just spouted this off the top of her head. Right. Twenty minutes later, the Labour press office said what she was referring to was the fact that Alastair Campbell has said he is going to have a legal proceedings about it. So as far as the Labour Party was was concerned, there was no review, auto-deselection, blah, blah, blah. But then you get into the detail of that, and apparently if you say it after the after the event yeah. which he did which he after did. the polls and closed, he didn't tell people which way to vote didn't say anything before he no. just said I've done this right. didn't say anything at all to encourage other people to do the same and it was too late anyway right. that doesn't count as the auto right. deselection
1: even though yeah. um, Jeremy Corbyn has in the past been quite happy to endorse candidates running for other parties totally. which had nothing to do with Labour totally. so was, bizarre the great irony is it, yeah. it was Campbell who yeah. said
2: to Blair don't kick Corbyn out yeah. for, for voting against the yeah. whip 450 your yeah, times, I know.
1: Staggering oh hypocrisy, the oh hypocrisy the of the highest yeah. order. Thank God, people like us here on the Thought Police <laughs> are here to catch these people and to call them out for That's, it. That's no stone unturned. No stone unturned. There'll be another stone unturned next week.
2: Andrew wanted, had to be, Wasn't he, he sleeping somewhere in Berkshire though? No, no, no. he was in the palace oh, or whatever, right. It was either in the palace or Winter Castle, yeah, yeah. one of the two, because that's where he ultimately, mm. and he walked into the bedroom and Andrew was fast asleep, and he opens the curtains mm. and the light floods in, right. and the only thing he gets back is Andrew lifting his head off the pillow and going, FUCK OFF! <laughs> 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 right, I say, oh, fuck off right away. <laughs> Ever have a presidential candidate mm. looking to the Prime Minister of Great Britain for no. some sort of endorsement. No, Unthinkable. Why although, on earth would they care?
1: Although you would, of course, have somebody like Joe Biden, who once stole uh, a, a speech by Neil Kinnock right. and turned it into his own. I remember saying at the time, if you're going to steal something from a British politician, don't steal it from Kinnock, you complete flunker. I mean, what was that all about? The only thing we know for sure is that the people who vote for Brexit, for the Brexit party, want Brexit. Yes. The rest of it, nobody knows why that's they're right. voting. That's right. If you vote Green, it could be for a variety of reasons. And, you and vote, quite rightly, for yeah. a lot of reasons. And, and Labour, it, God knows. God you, knows you why vote. you would vote Labour. Unless you and no certified. one voted for Change UK, more or less. No. You know, so And that's it. And I mean, if everybody wants to remain in the EU, why not vote for Change UK? And
2: you can make the case, and I'm arguing against my own position here, but you can make the case that people are so pissed off with Labour and the Tories, that really the only familiar party left mm. in certainly in England is the is the Liberal Democrats.
1: Yeah Now I can't believe Do you want me to open the window because
0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy.